Welcome to Parsha in Progress. I'm Abigail Pogrebin, author of My Jewish Year. And I'm Rabbi Dov Linzer, president of Yeshivat Chovevei Torah Rabbinical School. And we're two very different Jews talking about the same amazing Torah together. <laughs> yes, we this are. This is actually, dun 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 dun, the end. But of course, there is still a dot dot dot. Who knows what we're going to do next year? Because mm. there's we didn't do half the Torah. That's right. We've been broadcasting every other week, so think about all the Torah left to mine. But it is pretty powerful to kind of come to the finish line, Moses' death, and the idea that this long story does actually have an ending. (laughs) But, you know, we never end anything because at the same Shabbos that we read the end, we go and we make sure to also start at the beginning again. Like learning, as you once said, is a lifelong endeavor. Well, let's say what the parsha is. Okay. It's Vizot HaBracha, which means this is the blessing. And it was Moses's final word to the people for each tribe, a different blessing. What's kind of amazing is that essentially Moses is up on this mountain being shown the land he'll never see. Right. After the blessing is over, God takes him up to the mountaintop. And that's Mount Nebo. So I just would like to start before we even get to the verse with the idea of Martin Luther King and his last speech before Mm. being assassinated, because I've heard it invoked so many times, not so much connected to this particular Parsha, that essentially that's what he was saying. I've been to the mountaintop. Well, let me read the language. We all know these famous words. Uh, I don't know what will happen now. We've got some difficult days ahead, but it doesn't matter because I've been to the mountaintop and I don't mind. Like anybody, I would like to live a long life. Longevity has its place, but I'm not concerned about that now. I just want to do God's will. And he's allowed me to go up to the mountain and I've looked over and I've seen the promised land. I may not get there with you, but I want you to know tonight that we as a people will get to the promised land. Wow. Incredible. April 3rd, 1968. Obviously, he was killed soon after. I get choked up every time I read those words. And obviously, I didn't read them the way you hear them. It's incredible how he delivers them. But I mean, he's invoking this moment. Yeah, absolutely. I'm just awed by the almost prophetic nature of those words. Uh, Moses knew he was going to die. God says, I'm bringing you up to the mountaintop because you won't go over into the land. And I think what's also powerful is you've talked about before how heart-wrenching it is that Moses works his whole life and he sees the land and he's not allowed to go in. And, you know, your your heart goes out to Moses. You, this is the land. You will not enter into it. But, you know, Martin Luther King's take is at some level, I might, I don't have to go in. I mean, it would be good for me, but I've brought you here and the future is in front of you. And I think what's also great about what you're saying is that, you know, Martin Luther King helped build that promised land, that better day. And Moses did too. It's not just that we brought you to this moment, is that we ensured that it would be better for you than what it was for us or what what it was in the past. And their hand will always be felt. Absolutely. And the blessing that precedes it is almost that vision of that very romantic view of the future. It's almost a nice counterbalance to all of the curses and tragedy that we were reading in the previous Parsha. Here it's this vision looking at the land and looking at its infinite possibilities and looking about all the blessings that you will have when you enter the land that Moses was central in making happen. It's an important point because essentially this this is a kindler, gentler Parsha. Absolutely. <laughs> and and the ending note, it's it seems kind of conscious, whoever it was that wrote it, maybe it was God, maybe it was actual human beings, are basically in a way thinking almost like with a Hollywood ending of mm. well, the language. I'll, I'll read it in Deuteronomy 34, verse 10. 
Never again did there arise in Israel a prophet like Moses, whom the Lord singled out face to face. For the various signs and portents that the Lord sent him to display in the land of Egypt against Pharaoh and all his courtiers and his whole country, and for all the great might and awesome power that Moses displayed before all Israel. We have in in 34.10, never again did there arise in Israel a prophet like Moses. Mm -hmm. That's a pretty big statement. No one else will ever be. Will ever be. Right. First of all, that's again assuming Right. That no one will rise to Moses' stature or right. strength or character. Well, that's a constant theme in the Torah. Moses is singular, right? When Miriam and Aaron, Moses' brother and sister, you know, sort of complain about him and speak ill of him, God says, all other prophets only see in a distant vision. Moses speaks to me mouth to mouth, a direct, clear vision. So Moses' singularity is a pretty major theme, but here it's being said also about the future. So what are your thoughts about that? First of all, I think it's interesting that someone so singular is so flawed. He was really hesitant in the beginning. He didn't want to be a leader. He didn't want to take his his people out. And maybe I'm wrong to call it a flaw, but I'm, I guess I mean he's textured, he's real, he's right. human. Right. In other words, he's not like your polished, straight out of central casting kind of guy. He's a little awkward. He depends on his brother Aaron to speak for him. You know, there's, there's ways in which this singular person is not Superman. Right. But the Torah never says that no human being ever arose as great as Moses. Right. It says there was never a prophet as great as Moses. So the one thing it says about his character was the man Moses was exceedingly humble from all men on the face of the earth. So it singles out his humility, but it doesn't say he was a perfect human being. He says that he was the greatest prophet. Um, and I think there's, you know, a beautiful message in that, right? But you're special because you're humble. I mean, are you connecting the humility with also being chosen as the prophet? Yeah, I mean, I, it seems like that's what you're getting at. I guess I've been very influenced by Maimonides, who reads Moses as reaching his height because of his intellectual achievement. But focusing on the humility is powerful because the whole idea that his ego isn't getting in the way. He's the perfect vessel for communicating God's word because it's not about him. It's all about, you know, just letting God speak through him. So I like that. The rabbis actually make a shocking read of this verse. The rabbis say that the verse says, No prophet will arise in Israel as great as Moses, but amongst the Gentiles, there could be a prophet as great as Moses, which is like shocking for the rabbis to say. I mean, the rabbis are not generally known for their more universalist, you know, attitude. And and especially when it comes to a sense of like, to whom does God speak most intimately? And they're prepared to say that the old, you know, version of like, there are different paths up the mountain. We're all getting up the same mountain. You know, there were prophets for non-Jews. We know a few of them. And he's prepared to say that that they could even be as great as Moses, but they're not for us. So go back to the face-to-face. Like, how literal should we take that? Well, I mean, there's a lot of that. You know, Moses says to God, let me see your face. And God says, nobody will see me and live. And you can see my back and you won't see my face. What you're asking is two questions. One is the anthropomorphism of that, face-to-face. Are we literally supposed to believe that God has a face? Um, I don't think any modern reader reads it that way. But it is an interesting point. It suggests intimacy. Exactly. Direct connection direct personal connection, right? Not at a distance. The verse doesn't say that Moses saw my face. It says that no prophet arose that knew God face to face, right? There's a sense of knowledge, which is not the sort of the direct seeing. So I think even here, although it's subtle, there is that sense that there always remains some distance, some inability to fully know the other, especially if the other is God. For me, I will say that one powerful 
rabbinic teaching at the end of this parsha is, you know, the Torah ends with no prophet ever rose like Moses that knew God. You know, if all of the miracles that Moses did for God, you know, but God is doing the miracle. I think what's the verse? God did the miracle through Moses for the children of Israel. So the sense there is, as again, Moses is this total vessel. God is doing these miracles for Israel through Moses. And then the rabbis say, or the last actually Rashi, the medieval, the medieval 11th century French commentator who is read as the standard commentator for the Torah. So Rashi says, he's quoting on the very last words of the verse. The verse had just said, no prophet ever rose like Moses for all of the miracles that God sent him to do in the eyes of all of Israel. So the last words of the Torah are the eyes of Israel. So Rashi says, what did Moses do in front of the eyes of the children of Israel? He broke the tablets. And he says, and when he breaks the tablets, and God says, the tablets which you broke, which the Hebrew is asher shibarta, and Rashi says, yasher koach, which means more power to you, shishibarta, that you broke them. So the very last comment that Rashi has on the Torah is not that Moses is just this vessel for God doing the miracles, that the greatness of Moses was he was able to seize the moment and take God's tablets and break them and actually say that these tablets right now need to be broken and that God actually said, you know, that choice, that was a powerful choice and the right choice to make. So I think to me, sort of what that does to the human agency in a verse that's all about just representing God is a very powerful statement the rabbis are making of our role in the Torah. Well, I just want to finish by saying that the title of this parsha, Vizot Habracha, and This is the Blessing, is an apt ending, I think, before we go into the next cycle, because it has been a blessing to oh, study Torah and discuss it with you, Dove. Thank you, Abby. I really, uh, I couldn't say it better. And I think we should wish all of our listeners a year just filled with blessing. Thank you. Thank you. Shabbat shalom. Shabbat shalom. Parsha in Progress is written and hosted by Abigail Pogrebin and Rabbi Dove Linzer. The show is produced by Shira Telushkin and executive produced by Josh Cross and Tablet Magazine. Our music is by Blue Dot Sessions. We'd be so grateful if you'd head over to iTunes and rate, review, and subscribe to the show. It helps more people find us. You can also write or fetch to us at this email, progress at tabletmag.com. Thanks for listening.